I'm Laura Vinroot Poole. For 20 years, I've owned Capital, an internationally recognized specialty store. Capital has never really been about fashion. It's always been about people. What We Wore was created to share the meaningful journeys that inspire me. From the designers and friends I meet on the road to the men and women with whom I work each day. Everybody wants to know her I recognize it's been a while since the end of season five and wanted to share why that is. For the last several months, I've been undergoing treatment for breast cancer. I was diagnosed in the spring and had a double mastectomy in the summer and had my second surgery four weeks ago, my reconstruction, and am on the mend and uh, getting getting myself back together and getting ready to to record season six, but wanted to share my experience with you in hopes that it would help people and also just let you know what's going on in my life. For the last five seasons and for many, many years, Meredith has been the producer of this podcast, but also my friend and colleague. And we thought that it would make sense for Meredith to to ask questions and to, to talk me through the process and sharing with you my experience. Will you tell us about when you were diagnosed and what that initial prognosis was? I was diagnosed in the spring, I would say in April. and But that was, my, my mother had breast cancer three times and finally had a mastectomy, her third third diagnosis. Feel, I feel like I've been trying to outrun it for a long time. And I have a lot in my family um, on both sides. And I've ha- I've, I started to go for early mammograms in my late 30s. And I never had a mammogram where I wasn't called back and they didn't bring, you know, a box of tissues <laughs> to, and, um, and, you know, bring in the radiologist or, who you know, to do the ultrasound. And it was always a three-hour ordeal and it was always sort of scary and depressing. And, you know, and then at the end they would say, we're just going to watch it for, uh, for a year. But every single time, and I, and I say every single, out of probably 10 mammograms in 10 years from 38 to 48, I had one that they didn't call me back. <laughs> um, but anyway, so this, so the, so I had my first needle biopsy this time in April and, um, it came back malignant. And I wasn't surprised. And I was, and even when I was in getting the biopsy, they hit a nerve while they did it. It's this really draconian kind of just medieval process. You're on the, a oh. gurney and they have a big needle and, you know, and all of the stuff. And, and they hit a nerve and I started crying and I couldn't stop crying. It was mm-hmm. sort of one of those things where, you know, when that one tear falls and then like you just mm-hmm. can't stop crying. And the nurse said, honey, you, you don't need to cry. We don't really think this is cancer. We think, you know, this is, we're just doing this to be um, j- just to make sure we're doing our jobs well. And I said, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> and, and sure enough it was, and I, I wasn't surprised, but I was, but I was surprised. I mean, I, f- I think I'm young. I really have for the last at least 10 years been sort of trying to outrun this and, you know, supplements and exercise and all the things that I guess I 
you know, every hippie doctor, every, <laughs> and I, I also had been seeing my, my um, oncologist was my mother's and, and the person who performed my surgery was the person who performed my mother's. And I had been seeing him to try to mitigate my risk and what were the things that I could do. And I couldn't run fast enough. That was one of the ones that they've been watching for a while it where was, it's come back it was a couple the exact, of times. Yeah, it was the exact same spot every single time. And, uh, and I think that's the thing too. And they also, it sort of, it was sort of under my arm and kind of felt, seemed like it was like behind my rib or mm-hmm. something. And, and in the end they said the tumor was way bigger than they thought it was because they couldn't really see it. And so I think this whole time, How you big know, was it? it was over an inch long. Mm. And so I, so I think that it, it would have been a, you know, he said, I'm glad we didn't do a lumpectomy because it would have been a mastectomy in, to, just to get the margins. But he, but they didn't know until they went in. So, so, so anyway. you made the right choice from the beginning. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, that's one thing that's been really interesting about it is that you realize that women could have the exact same diagnosis, and there's not one person that chooses the same treatment. And so, I think that's been really interesting for me. You know, you, I think just. A, a rule follower, I think, you know, you, you want to be like, this is what it is. Here's how you treat it. These are the exact things you need to do. But it, it's really not like that. I and mean, they give you a whole book of choices. Mm-hmm. And um, all along the way, you you have to make those choices with your family and with a lot of self-reflection and, and, and great guidance by your care team, which I have an incredible care team. And one of my doctors is somebody I grew up with and went to boarding school with and mm-hmm. have known forever. And I think having an incredible care team is really key. And I felt really, really lucky to have that. I think, Meredith, one of the things that surprised me the most is I have such incredible support from my family. And obviously, we've my whole family's been this through this before with my mom. But it is incredible how lonely it feels Mm -hmm. and how alone you feel because ultimately you are the person that does have to make the decisions and also you're the person who has to go through the 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 things Mm -hmm. (laughs) as much love and support and I mean I I I, nobody's had as much love and support I feel like as I have and it's been remarkable but I still felt really really alone the times when it felt really alone were with you know insomnia when you're alone at night and can't sleep and Mm -hmm. thinking about all the hundred things that you could do, which direction to go or, you know, all all the things and what, what could happen and, you know, living in tomorrow, which is the worst thing. Yeah. What would you say to a woman who's in the midst of something similar or no matter what that journey is that feels alone? I, I think just finding one person. And again, some of my greatest support was from people I've never met before. So I don't think it, you know, it could come from surprising places. Mm-hmm. Even just having one person that either just listens or also, I mean, great to find somebody that has gone through it in a similar way or something. I mean, everybody's been through something hard. I realized when I made my list with you of the people that I wanted to share it with and tell what was happening, I, um, it was neat for me to see, kind of reflect on my life, mm-hmm. my 49 years. And, you know, it was it was my best friend from kindergarten and it was my best friend from Knowles and it was my best friend from Andover. And it was, you know, it was all these people that I probably haven't seen in 20 years even, but we're exactly the same. We're as close as we ever were. And mm-hmm. there's, you know, there, there was no doubt that these people were still the most important people in my life. I, I don't know if you know this, but my, my college roommate who... I just adore, and but I truly, I've seen her a handful of times in 20 years since, 30 years since college. Mm-hmm. Um, she wrote me a letter every every other day. And, and so I have a stack of 
le- cards, letters, notes from her, and they didn't say anything profound. I mean, some of them did, mm-hmm. um, but they were profound in that they they said, you know, I'm sitting at the beach and watching the construction of the house next door, <laughs> and they're building a really ugly deck around it, and just wanted you know you to know I was thinking of you, and I love you, and I hope you're healing. And I just the the banality, I guess, or of these just simple, yeah. These simple notes that just said, I'm you know, watching a bird and a bird eating from a bird feeder. I mean, I'm just like, oh, the, I don't know. The love in that was so, was so profound to me. Yeah. The, the really, the simplest, most real things really meant the most. And I remember you telling me at the beginning how you tried not to hear advice beyond you, your family, and this really strong care team that you had put together. And you stayed really true to that. And it sounds like you made the right choice because you did that. We'll see. I mean, I think so. Yeah, you did. (laughs) I hope so. But yeah, I think that, yes, it's sort of like being pregnant and that everybody has an opinion Mm -hmm. about (laughs) what you should name the baby and if you should nurse and how to do that. And, you know, I think breast cancer too, because people don't know. I mean, even my brother, who's a doctor, and I sent him all of the, you know, what exactly what kind of tumor it was Mm -hmm. and all that. And he was just, he didn't, I mean, even his opinion, I was kind of like, I'm not really going (laughs) to... I don't know if I'm really going to listen to that. I yeah. think I know what I need to do. And I think I think that that's one thing that was pretty cool about it too is how how sure I felt about all of the things that I chose. You know, all mm. and, and you know I just I, I never second guessed any of it. I can remember I have a, a conversation we were having when you chose the double mastectomy mm-hmm. and you were saying how the doctors or friends, how many other people chose radiation or chemotherapy wouldn't and you were ready to go for the double mastectomy. Yeah. Why, why was that? Uh, I mean, myriad reasons. And again, like, I, I almost don't feel like I can share it with you because it's it, all the details of it are my personal, they're, they're all my reasons, mm-hmm. you know, and it's all, it's all my conversations with my care team, my family. And it's mm-hmm. also, you know, genetic testing and, and, and the, my experience with my mom. And mm-hmm. um, I have cousins and um second cousins who died in their 40s from breast cancer and you know I mean like it's it's like the layers and layers of things and there's no exact answer of Mm -hmm. what it is but I think in your heart you really know what the right thing is and it's not the right thing for everybody you know I think that that's the thing too is um and even still you know like all you know a lot of doctors want want you to take tamoxifen, and I mean, it's like mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's not, it's not like it's just over now, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. And, and I think that all along the way, you have to listen to your heart and listen to your gut. And um, but I also think one of the things that's been really interesting about it is how much support I've gotten from people I don't know, people that I've never met before, that are friends of friends, that have reached out and I've communicated with, and the amount of support they've given has been remarkable. I mean, I, there's a there's a person on Instagram who um, is a friend of a friend, and she has a handle, you know, like it's not yeah. her name, so I don't know that I even know her name. <laughs> I do. I think I, anyway. I, I I don't. I know her by her handle, but. It, um, all along the way, she would. Ch- she was probably uh, six months ahead of me on the same and oh, had wow. sort of the same treatment process and or made a lot of the same treatment choices. And, you know, she would check in on me and say, how are you feeling today? And I'd say, I'm having a hard day. And she'd say, well, I looked into my journal and, you know, day 35 was really hard for me too. So hang in there and, oh you know, I'm thinking about you. And, you know, these really like long in depth, really loving, caring things that from from a stranger. 
I'm a researcher. I've read a hundred books on it by now before and after diagnosis. <laughs> and there's, there's not a ton of support online or really, I don't know. It's hard to find the place where the, you know, the information that you really want, mm-hmm. I don't know that it really exists. And so I, other than listening to your heart, I do think this strange friend of a friend, the people that have gone through it, this network of women that have experienced this, um, that's the most powerful thing of all. Was that the the most feeling of community that you kind of had or something that created a little bit of that? I think so, yeah. I mean, yes, but also, um, and you helped me send a letter out to about 100, maybe, I don't know, is it 75 mm-hmm. um, friends and colleagues and to tell them kind of what's happening and, you know, and why and here's the process and, you know, I don't need anything, but just want you to know, you know, wanted to be transparent and let people know what I was going through. Um, And I have never, I mean, I I have stacks of hundreds of cards and I mean, the flowers and the food and the the books and um, I really love you. I mean, I I really love people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I just have, I mean, I can't believe how uh, loved I felt. And I think that that has been a real um, lesson for me too, because I think that working in a service business and and also probably just in maybe I don't know if it's a fashion thing, but mm-hmm. you, you spend a lot of time, you know, not being able to take compliments and that you know people say you look great and I'm like you look great, look how amazing you look. And I and I think that there's a there's a lot of kind of turning compliments on other people. And for once in my life, I think just accepted love and compliments mm-hmm. and it felt incredible to feel to feel the love and to be able to accept it and and keep it i never want to be ungrateful and i would mm-hmm. hope that my friends knew how grateful know how grateful i am and have been but i also uh I, this might be a time just to accept love i think there are very few times in life where you can just receive and yeah. i feel like this is one of them well my my massage therapist mm-hmm. <laughs> um she said i told her i was having trouble breathing like just not just having trouble taking deep breaths and she said in or out and i said inhaling and she said but well, that means you're having a hard time accepting love oh wow <laughs> and, I, and i was like well all right i'm going to work on this when you went into that first surgery could you feel Kind of the energy and the love and the support, even as you were, because I think there were so many people that were really thinking about you in that moment. And I know that sounds crazy, but I always wonder if you can feel a little bit of that energy and love. Yeah, I think so. And and I think I I had read this book and I can't, I'm sorry, I can't remember the person who wrote it, but she suggests that you have your your love group, your friend, mm. your friend group, or the people that love you at the moment you're going into surgery to wrap you in a pink cloud of love, <laughs> a pink fluffy cloud of love. And that, that there, you know, there's some crazy statistics that recovery happens, you know, a week faster, or, oh, wow. you know, release from the hospital, all these things. I, I did feel it. I, I mean, I, I really did. And I, and I know that just because I, you know, I've, I, and I've never been, I don't know that I've really been down this whole time. I mean, I think mm-hmm. Perry said, my husband said it was remarkable that going into the hospital. I wasn't afraid. I was mm-hmm. joking with the nurses. I was smiling. I was, yeah, I was confident. I don't think I was afraid. And I think that's why. You have such strong intuitions or gut feelings, but you've always, this whole process, there was never a it was, I'm going to be okay. This oh, yeah. is all going to be fine. Where does that come from? Because I feel like that's a 
maybe a God-given thing, but it's so incredible that you just know. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's faith, and it and it's faith in that, and I don't, it doesn't, not a specific faith, just faith that the right thing is happening, mm-hmm. and and the right tests are being put in front of me. Right. I guess I don't know the the. the this is my journey. I mean, these are the things I have to go through in order to get where I need to go. Well, I mean, I just, yeah, I guess so. It's just faith, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I also think growing up with, um, it, it, I mean, I'm working in therapy on it actually because, mm-hmm. you know, growing up with a mom who had multiple cancer, I guess, scares mm-hmm. or I don't even know, diagnoses, nobody ever said she's going to be okay. Nobody ever said like, mm-hmm. It's going to be fine. So I, we just sort of ignored it and moved on with our life, and everybody right. just sort of acted like nothing was happening. <laughs> so I don't know. Like I, again, I'm working on therapy, yeah. uh, working in therapy on it. I don't know, um, but it is. But it, it look, it's uh, it is traumatic and mm-hmm. um, incredibly traumatic, and and it is like truly a medieval operation. I feel like mm. it's not any different than it was in the 1800s, and <laughs> and it was really, really, really painful and. Yeah, all of your nerves are cut. I had no idea how how traumatic that first operation was. I don't because mm-hmm. I also I went through it with my mom and you know nursed her and all that, but I don't know that she ever told me how hard it was. And so, right. yeah, I I, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's hard. It was hard. I had complications, mm. and that was hard. I mean, I'm not used. To, I guess I'm just. I'm not used to being sick. I've never mm-hmm. been sick. I've never been in a hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never been in pain like mm-hmm. that. You know, I mean, it was it was extremely painful. Yeah. Another talent you have is to find uh, find beauty in everything, mm. um, every situation, or to create it. What was the beauty in that first surgery or the aftermath? I mean, that's easy. I, I mean, that that sounds crazy to say, but it's been one of the best times of my life, Mm. you know, just to, to spend three months with, with my husband and with Mm -hmm. my daughter and with my sister and and my parents Mm -hmm. and, and my friends and to be home Mm -hmm. and to have, you know, my job was so transient and, um, so much travel, international travel and jet lag. And, you know, you you think about, and I think I, I also, have to consider the working full time for 25 years and right. taking three months off. It's been extraordinary. I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed it and it's, and I've not done anything. I've not, um, I've not read a lot of books. I've not needle pointed. I've crossed. You didn't learn a new skill. I didn't learn a new skill. I couldn't cook. I mean, mm-hmm. I could, you know, I wasn't even supposed to walk around. I mean, it, so I don't know what I did other than just be, just being here, mm-hmm. being here now, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I don't know that I was for, for a really long time here now. It makes everything way more clear, you know, what's important and what you want to do and what you don't. And it's, it makes things really simple. In one of the first correspondences to the team, you, you wrote about how excited you were to be on the other side as working with the team and with at capital is one of the greatest joys of your life. Mm. But I know that there is a lot of clarity around, you know, what you're excited to go back to and maybe, maybe some things that aren't so important anymore that felt really important before. And I'd love to know what that's like. I will say I, this, this has also made me feel really clear about, about work Mm. and, and, and that real success to me looks like a team 
that's independent and knows what they're doing on their own and without me looking over anybody's shoulder. And, and that's been such a gift to be able to watch how much more successful they've been when I've not been there. (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) But they have, you know, and I think truly that feels like success. And, um, and I, and I think you can feel it. I think people are just singing, you know, Mm like they can, they're really, they're being their best selves and, doing the best at their jobs and I I've, yeah. I've enjoyed I really have enjoyed watching that and I was very shocked by that <laughs> to be honest yeah <laughs> because I and I don't know that I'm a total micromanager I have experience doing each right. job in the store so I do know how it's supposed to, to happen and <laughs> being able to let that go and really let them do it on their own that's been fantastic something you've always said was that you dreamed about the business being um living beyond you. Yeah, it's not me. Yeah. I can't it's not a business if it's me. Just in thinking about the team and your legacy with women and something that the way that you champion women and what you want for women and what you see for women. When you started to correspond with us really early on about what you were feeling and that you were scared mm-hmm. and you would be away from the office for a while and then what you chose it was, again, back to the word clear, it was all really clear and it was really empowering, I think, for a lot of us to watch someone go through a health journey or crisis, however you want to call it, in a really empowered, true way because you shared it with us, mm. where I think a lot of people in moments like that pull back and it's mm-hmm. a moment they're going through alone and you let us share with you and we learned. Yeah. One of the best parts about working in this business has been working with women and men of all ages and to be able to, you know, into, into, um, to appreciate that everybody's in different stages in their lives Mm -hmm. and going through different things. And, um, to be able to share during that process, you know, my friend Lisa says, you always says you should have a, a best friend 10 years younger and a best friend 10 years older because they both can be like, don't worry about that. It's right. not a big deal. Right. <laughs> and I, I've, I've always felt that about work that I, that, um, with my, my team that, that we've all, we're all like that. I'm, I guess I'm the oldest, but, <laughs> but. <laughs> well, I think you were literally the first person to tell us about things like menopause. Somehow like nobody, nobody talked Peri- to us menopause. about it. Peri- perimenopause. <laughs> there we go. None of us, I mean. Well, I, I, babies. I mean, that was the first one to have a baby. I yeah. Think, you know. <laughs> Pregnancy, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yes, and I think that's been from probably, a, I don't know, several weeks out. I showed my scars to the girls at work mm. before I showed, I think probably before I showed my husband, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but there you are just, I feel really comfortable and I feel uh, it is a safe environment to share and to, to share challenges and to, mm-hmm. and also, yeah, to say, if this ever happens for you, mm-hmm. you can do this. I do think transparency and mm-hmm. honesty is empowering. And I think that mm-hmm. that's the other thing. And maybe, I don't know if it's a Southern thing or, or, you know, fashion thing, fashion thing, maybe. Yeah. Everything's perfect. Every, everything's perfect. Everything's fine. I'm fine. I'm not fine. And I wanted my team to know that. And I didn't want people to be, I'm, I, li- you know, Meredith, I live in my hometown. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that, you know, I know, I know a lot of my clients are mm-hmm. people I've known my whole life. I didn't want people to whisper about me or mm-hmm. to, to say, oh, well, she had this, it must be this, or, you know, I, I didn't want them to speculate, I guess. I've, I've started to um, ease back into work a little bit, and I was there this week and ran into the girl, um, again, she's probably 60 years old, but the, the gal <laughs> who taught me how to swim when I was 
three or four. She's a client. She's been a client forever. And she said, hey, how are you? So glad to see you. Did you have a good summer? Like, what have you been doing? (laughs) And, you know, there was this moment where I thought, you know, where I was sort of like, I could say, great, everything's great. And I said, "Uh, Kathleen, I'm doing fine, but I actually just just am recovering from a double mastectomy. Mm. And I think, I don't know if it made her uncomfortable. I don't think, I've known her my whole life. I mean, it was like this thing where you feel like, am I going to be a real authentic person mm-hmm. and really be honest about what what is happening or am I going to be fake and well, mm-hmm. everything's fine. One of the things that has really surprised me is I thought that I would feel, if I'm being honest, I thought I would feel, I would feel imperfect in a bad way. I would feel, I thought I would feel unattractive. And I do feel like the, I feel like the Japanese pottery that, you know, they fill in with the gold and, yeah. and, and in Japan, you know, imperfection is perfection. And so I, I do feel like that. I feel, I feel like the, the hard things have made me better. Do you feel different? Cause something about yes. you feels different. I feel different. Yeah. Do you have like, do you have words to how you feel different? I, I do feel that way. I feel radiant. Yeah. I feel, I feel Lighter. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I feel like I'm here now. I wanted to circle back a little bit to fashion. Yeah. Because I think that's something we're here on what we wore. Uh-huh. And, well, we should also talk about... Do you about, want to know what I wore I actually do. Yeah, I do want to know what you want to wear, wear <laughs> what you wore. What I wore in a surgery. I wore... There's a, there's a woman that uh, worked in the fashion industry and got breast cancer and started a company where she makes clothes for... Uh, mastectomy. Do you remember the name? Ano Ono. Okay. And it, it there was it was so nice these wrap pajamas and mm. I wear them every day. <laughs> it feels good because of the fabric or the because fabric they were loose. All, it was just because it was made for all of the things that you need. Yeah. Um, it was smart and it was thoughtful and it was I don't know kind. <laughs> was there more of that out there than you expected or less? None. Less. None. Huh. Not I mean very little. Yeah. And I think for something, I mean, what was your statistic again? One in eight women have One breast cancer. One in eight women, yeah, are diagnosed with breast yeah. cancer. So, yeah, I, I was shocked by that. I think nobody talks about it enough. I mean, I think I, I told you, too, like I, I found several, some of the most helpful, actually the most helpful pre- mm-hmm. and post-mastectomy were blogs, personal blogs. And they were people that I did not relate to at all. <laughs> like I read some. Not at all. But they were so helpful, mm-hmm. you know, to say these are some things you'll need and um, yeah. electric toothbrush because or yeah because you can't because you can't brush your teeth. Yeah. I mean, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Um, but there's yeah, nobody really talks about it. I don't, my mother hadn't didn't tell me that. You know, I I don't know. I, it's there's a lot of shame around it. I'm sure, mm-hmm. and it's probably unattractive to talk about. I I don't know. I, I it, find it quite the opposite. I think it's very attractive. To I do talk too, about but it, I think that that's what we've been taught. I guess yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's people are very quiet about it. I'm proud of you for being here and for changing the narrative because I, I think this these are the little moments of hearing someone talk about something that they might have gone through, they mm. could go through, and they'll know to be more open, or that they might find the random person on Instagram that's really actually quite supportive and able to share with them. I mm. just the more open we all are, I think that affects all of us at some point. One of the people that you resonated with from the fashion industry was Nina Garcia, mm. who's the editor-in-chief of Elle magazine. Mm-hmm. What was it about 
her because she was in the fashion industry that you related to or appreciated? That too was a little bit under the radar. Mm -hmm. You know, people didn't really, I didn't, people didn't really know about it who worked in fashion until after the fact. And I think she missed fashion, a whole fashion season for it. Liz Tilburis, who was the editor Mm. of Harper's Bazaar, died from breast cancer. It's like there's talk about it, but there's not real talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's kind of like, she's a warrior. Yeah. (laughs) It's not like, here's how hard this was. And Mm -hmm. it was ugly. And it was... um, really, really tough, but I got through it and you can't do kind of, I mean, Nina's was like that, Mm -hmm. but one of the things that's been kind of shocking is how many people, how many friends said to me, I'm so sorry about your diagnosis, but it really does remind me that I need to get a mammogram. And I'm like, wow, people actually don't get mammograms every year. That's, that's pretty shocking. When should you start getting a mammogram? I think it's 40, but I think it's your, you know, your doctor's discretion, but I think it's 40 and it's every year. Right. And you started when you were 38 just because of your mom's yep, history. Exactly. And my genetics, you know, it's not fun at mm-hmm. all. And for me, it was never fun because it was always super depressing and there it was always some possible problem. And, mm-hmm. and so I definitely didn't want to do it every year. But this one also, by the way, I mean, this was not a, this, uh, this was not my yearly mammogram. I went um, early. This was six months after um, my previous mammogram. So it was early. Mm-hmm. So it must've been growing. Is there Anything that was unexpected that you learned about yourself in the process? I've never enjoyed my husband so much. He's, That's a gift. Yeah, he's incredible and fun and just he's wonderful. And mm-hmm. and also my sister. I mean, I, mm. I, I, my sister's five years younger, and so we always sort of treated her like she was our niece. You know, she was so much younger than my brother and I. She was such a, such an amazing nurse. And I just, I just adored her. And I, I, and strangely like that second surgery, she said, are you, do you need me to come this time? And I said, please go. I I really just wanted to be with her. And I just, I just love that. And to have, you know, full eight hours a day, Mm -hmm. you know, that you could be with somebody that you trust completely and, and love being with. I mean, I, I just felt so lucky. Mm -hmm. I think it's rare. Well, I think seeing you this rested and present and peaceful, I think one maybe one of the things I'm looking at or thinking about is your career and your mm-hmm. job has been so opposite of that. I always <laughs> envision you like tearing up the streets of Paris and Market and being away for a long time and just work, work, work. And I'm a fast walker. And too. you're fast. And I'm super, super impatient. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, hopefully that this wore that out of me. Yeah. <laughs> just the impatience and the... I don't know, lack of understanding for other people. I think it it really cleared a lot of stuff for me. I will go back to buying again. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'll do it in a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'll do it better. And I think I'll do it in a more edited way. Yeah. Like my investment, I guess, emotional investment Mm -hmm. wise, I think I'll do it um, smarter. It it made me feel very grateful for um, building a career that I love and want to come back to. Mm -hmm. And to be able to reflect on that, you know, and to, to reflect on why it is, why why I do it, you know, what I love about it, um, why I can't wait to get back. And I'm not, I can't wait to get back in a different way. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I just came from acupuncture and <laughs> she said, you really can't just jump in ex- and expect to work the same way you did mm-hmm. before this because you're a different person. And, and I am a different person. That's okay. What are you 
thinking is on the other side or what are you excited about in the new chapter? Well, you know, when Perry went back to school for architecture when he was 40, I think, mm -hmm. after a couple of different careers and it was just what he always wanted to do. And he, and I, I think I encouraged him and supported him in that and just said, I don't want to be married to somebody that's not doing what they really want to do mm -hmm. and what they really love. And he, he always said, you know, I want to be an architect because I want to be able to work until I'm a hundred. I want to be able to work <laughs> until the day I die. That's the kind of career I want, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I think that it's been clear to me as much as fashion is not completely supportive of uh, ill health or of, or of aging. Uh, I know that I want to do this mm -hmm. forever. I mm -hmm. mean, I do, this is, this is what I want to do and, and I'll do it in different ways and I'll be involved in different ways. Mm -hmm. I would think along the way, but I, I really love what I do very much. What are some of the things that you feel like you'll approach differently or actually hands-on do differently, if anything? Well, I mean, I, I, saw the, my, I saw the schedule of the podcast coming up, and I got, in this, you know, a month ago maybe, and I got nervous. Mm -hmm. I, and I worried about, is my voice different? You know, because, I, I mean, I've, I've literally had an amputation. Yeah. So that worried me. And I think that also just being at home for mm -hmm. three months and – I worried and I am worried. I mean, am I going to be able to relate to people <laughs> and am I, am I going to be able to connect with people? I mean, right. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel, I do feel fundamentally changed mm -hmm. as a person. For season, well, this isn't season six, but we're doing a special holiday capsule. Your, your first few episodes back will be for the holidays before first, we get to season and the six. The first ones with, um, with Sadat uh -huh. and Jana from Gem Palace. I'm uh -huh. excited about that. That's our holiday capsule, but we have season six starting in the new year. We talked a lot about it and weren't sure if we had said all we needed to say about what we wore, but uh, I guess we haven't. We haven't. I don't think we have. I'm not sure we ever will. ever have. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's for the reasons we just talked about. I think you're different. I think your questions are different. I think the insights will be different from the interesting people that we always have. And I think that we've realized there are so many fascinating people and fascinating stories and all of these unexpected moments that pop up and that we can all find inspiration and authenticity in, and yeah. especially in the fashion industry right now, too. I think so much is changing. Mm. And some of the stories we'll catch, like Indre from Paravel, she's going back to school. It just feels like there's – or someone's uh, approaching sustainability different. There's a lot of change, and then there's also just – the fact that we continually find ourselves in other yeah. people's stories. Yeah. And that we're, again, we're just humans and yeah. we're just going through life. Yeah. And all the challenges along that journey. Thank you for sharing with us today. Thanks for letting me. Yeah. And thank <laughs> you for, for being who you are in the world and, but who you are, I think, again, to those who know you well, or have been a part of your team for sharing in the way that you have, it really has, I think, changed things for us too. And I know for me personally, after we did lose a friend, the minister was talking about what a joy it is that she was here for our earthly pilgrimage. Yeah. And I'm so glad to do this <laughs> earthly pilgrimage with you. Thank you. And to see you emerge so beautifully and go into this next chapter. Thank you, Mayor. Yeah. Love you. I love you too. <laughs> Meredith, what did you wear to prom? Oh, God. 
It's so bad. Um, but everybody's brought it up. I had a BCBG. Nice. Uh-huh. We went to New York. It was a whole thing to pick it out from the sail rack. The awkward, you know, asymmetrical okay. kind of hem. Lots of beads. What color? It, it, oh, purple. Oh, my gosh. my favorite color. But it was not one of my finest moments. It was not one of my finest moments. It's hard. Those pictures are funny. Oh, wow. I want to see a picture of that. Yeah. I bet you look beautiful. Mm, had some tendrils. <laughs> <laughs> I know about those. I have a 16-year-old. <laughs> she does have some tendrils now. Uh, yeah. What We Wore is produced by Capital and Balto Creative Media. The original song, Someone So Enchanting, was composed and performed by Britt Drazda. What We Wore is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com.